Uh, when I look back to last week, I had us on page 95, and we were discussing uh, the quote about it's better to say that they're a bad Christian than to say that they're not a Christian if they have behavior that doesn't match up with Christianity. Fair enough? Yes. Yes, yeah, I think that's what that's what Lewis is trying to bring to the surface. Does that make sense? I said second period wanted to discuss the whole concept of how do we judge each other and we can't be judging and we don't want to be rude. Like and that's a whole other conversation. What's Lewis specifically talking about is someone who's saved, right? So they're saved, but their behavior doesn't match up to their salvation. And then we say, Well, since you're not behaving like a Christian, you must not be saved. Does that work? No, it doesn't work. Does that make sense? If you trust Christ to save you, will he save you? Yeah, sweet. <laughs> You're good. What if you really stink at being a Christian? You're not really good at it. You, you don't like it, or you, you get stuck in sin, or you are angry, bitter person. Does that take away your salvation? No. I'm trying to get that on the table here to make sure that we all get that before we spend two more months talking about this. Because if we're going to debate the saved by grace issue well Lewis addresses that at the beginning of his book fair enough yeah yeah that's the unforgivable sin right so they blaspheme God and then they say they're sorry what will he do yeah I don't know what he'll do with that but if they're not in heaven will it make sense <laughs> if they are well, then they were probably be leaving a lie. Does that make sense? So they got tricked like the rest of us on some level. But the unforgivable sin about blasphemy, just so let me just frame it out here one sec. Let me frame out why that's unforgivable. Because blasphemy is when you say that you are who? You say that you are God. And if you believe that you are God, are you going to ask God for forgiveness? No. No. So, and if I even try to give you forgiveness, will I be able to? No, because you're going to be like, I don't need that. I'm God. So to see why it's unforgivable in the nature of the sin itself is you can't forgive someone who won't receive it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think we often spin it out like, oh, no, I said it. Oh, and like, I'm going to burn now. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't think so. But it is also why they killed Jesus. So it's a pretty big deal. By the way, have you ever met anybody who says that they're God? Like, for real? Yeah, it's really rare. That's the thing is we think, oh, no, maybe I did it today. Like, no, no, no. Like, this is a person who's walking around believing that they are God. Well, like, pretty common with, like, mental illnesses, too. Like, especially, like, bipolar. Well, here, and so you have the, the Messiah complex and all that stuff. So it's common potentially in mental illness, which is, like, the point. Does that make sense? Like, either you're not in your right mind, and so you'll be forgiven because <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Or you can see why they called Jesus what? A lunatic. They called him crazy. Right? Thanks for your patience. Yeah. Oh, my question. So, today, when you were talking about this one concept and doctrine, where you yeah. say, well, if you convert to another religion, will you be a Christian in the first place? And someone in my group was saying, like, no, it's not believable. Yeah. Well, you could say that. But what if they were Christian? And then they, like, my brother was a Christian, baptized, believed, everything, and then he becomes a shaman. As all of a sudden he dies as a shaman, does he lose his salvation? No, he's sealed for the day of redemption, right? He was adopted into God's family. He's not going to be like all of a sudden be unadopted. 
he's your bride of Christ. Like, that makes sense? Um, I love the sealed for the day of redemption. It's like you get tattooed. The sealed for the day of redemption is you get branded. So let's say my brother was a little sheep and he becomes a Christian. So what does God do? Like HS on his butt, right? So he's branded. And then little sheepy Ben goes and wanders off to shaman land and goes underneath the shaman shepherds. He's a lost sheep. He's still who's sheep. Yeah, so when he dies, what's God going to be like? Hey, um, check out his butt. That one's mine. Right? Does that make sense? Like, your identity changes when you become a Christian. You become a child of God. He's not going to just disown you just because you're mad or lost or confused. That's actually what we're being saved from. Fair enough? Did your brother reject the Holy Spirit thing? He rejected all of it. So, like, rejecting the Holy Spirit, blaspheming the Holy Spirit? Rejecting the Holy Spirit is not blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit is when you call yourself the Holy Spirit. You say you are the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, someone told me earlier today that it was rejecting the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, we have to look at it. Yeah. So we have to look up what blasphemy means. Mm -hmm. And the term blasphemy is basically saying, I don't need God because I am God. Now, could you wordsmith that, that maybe that's what Ben was doing? I, I guess. The dude was confused and in pain. Mm -hmm. You know, does that yeah. make sense? Mm -hmm. It's not like he was like, I know that you think you're God, Yahweh, but actually I'm God. Was Ben doing that? I mean, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no, he was not doing okay. that. Does that make sense? Now, he was believing that the Holy Spirit was neutral. So he had rejected the truth about the Holy Spirit. But how many of us have been tricked? <laughs> you know, like, Satan's a big, fat liar. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And we believe his lies. Good thing we're covered by what? Grace. Or imagine if you had to get it all right. <laughs> yeah, right. Grace or grace. Like, see what's going on. Like, the more we lean into this, the more it's like, oh, I'm so glad we're all saved by grace. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's what he's trying to get at here. Is so, Ben, it wasn't that Ben wasn't a Christian. Ben was what? A bad one. A pretty bad one at that point. He was a shaman, not a really great Christian. Does that make sense? But I, I actually want to leave you this one last metaphor. But here's the way to frame it. Did Ben ever cease being my dad's son mm -hmm. that whole time? Everybody, everybody done. Everybody got it? Is there anything you will do that will not make you your dad's daughter? No, because it's what? It's who you are. Does that make sense? It's who you are. That's what's going on here. And that's why... We call him Abba Father, like Daddy, Papa Daddy. We've been adopted. Now, if you haven't noticed, I've been quoting Scripture this whole time. Does that make sense? Like, I've been dropping all these lines from Scripture. This is not Mr. D's theology. Mm -hmm. We tracking? I have a 46-page handout on it, if you want, when I was doing chapels on grace about six or seven years ago. <laughs> so if we, want, if we want, we can go there. But just trying to get to make it sure that we've got it all set, right? It's worth still doing for a few minutes because at Wheaton Academy there is still some lingering of the whole if I don't ask for forgiveness or if I'm bad, then God's going to reject me and send me to hell. I want to just make sure we've got that cleaned up. Questions?
All right, so let's keep going. If the computers are out, let's just declare them. Are we doing notes on class or? That was, let's close them. Yeah, let's close them. We're going to stay in one large group discussion. If you want to declare them for class, just let us all know what you're doing. All right, this next one is the big house metaphor, page 95. He does the hall with the rooms. So great. So five minutes, and then we're getting into the argument. Five minutes on the house metaphor. Picture a big old mansion like Downton Abbey or whatever. Some big, massive castle house, okay? And say that it was God's house. So he's the head of the family. And Jesus is the oldest son in the family. Everybody got that? We track him with the metaphor. How do you get to be inside that house and in the family? You go through the door of the house. Who's the door? Jesus. Jesus is the door. So if you go through the door, you believe and trust in Jesus. Ready? Here's the key. The real one who walked the planet, like got dirt on his feet, ate food, but was also God and died for you. You trust in that dude. You're what? Come on. You're part of the family. Does that make sense? Jesus is now your older brother. God is your father, right? And we're brothers and sisters. So big house. It's like that Big Daddy Weave song. It's a big, big house. Anybody? Lots of, lots of rooms, right? So like, there's a big old house. We all go in. I like that metaphor. I like it. We're one big, massive Christian family, right? Right? Um, how are we doing as a family? Yeah, now here's the key. I don't think Lewis is anti-denominational. I'm not trying to be anti-denominational. I actually had a big house growing up. Um, my, I'm from one of nine, so nine children in my family, okay? And uh, my dad was an orthopedic surgeon, so we had enough to have a big house where we all got our own room, which was pretty sweet. Ooh, it's a right? big house. Yeah, it was a big house. I told you it was a big house in Glen Ellen. Um, and when you walked up the stairs, and there was a whole bunch of bedrooms up there, my brother's was on this side. You walk into my brother Sam's room, and I love my brother Sam. He's the oldest son. But his room had cream-colored walls with one picture. I remember it, lion and lamb, right? And he had some very calming, mellow music. His, I think his closet had everything on hangers organized by color right and his socks were folded his underwear were folded everything was folded and neatly and his room was immaculate and he make, made his bed every day right now you walk across the hall <laughs> to my room and <laughs> what, what do you think my high school room was like yeah like covered there was no you couldn't see any wallpaper or anything like that I had pictures all over I had climbing holds on the wall I had a pile of clean clothes and then a pile of dirty clothes. I sometimes forgot which was which, but whatever. All right, you know. And I, it's just, I had a ball with my room, and I had crazy music, and it was a lot like this. Does that make sense? Which was great. My mom, bless her heart, let us do what we wanted with our rooms. That was like our little space. So really cool, all right? Very different. I liked that. Does that make sense? Like, that was really healthy for our family. Yet, when we all came downstairs to dinner, to the table... It was actually a big old round table. We would all sit there, and we were what? A family. I love my brother. We, we got along really well, actually. It was fun. And he would go to his room, and I would go to mine. I think denominations can be like that at their best. I like the fact that some of you like to go to churches where it's 
big old organ and it's mellow and it's calm and it's beautiful and it's traditional and it's powerful and these songs have been around for hundreds of years it's awesome right i like that some of us go to churches where there's flags like people are waving flags and they're dancing and going around in circles and they're having a ball and people are laying down and people are laughing and people are crying right? i like that at some churches people are doing art during the sermon it's cool I like some people are just taking notes i like some place you go to sermon it's an hour sometimes it's 10 minutes sometimes you don't even go to a building like i like that isn't it nice we're at the non-denominational school i like that we can all go worship how how we want to how you were made what you like what's your preference go team i so i think i'm glad that there's some churches with a lot of structure i'm glad there's some churches without a lot of structure i'm glad there's some artist style churches and loud and quiet even you know some churches are silent almost silent right like hardly any talking you just meditate cool we're good that's the blessing of the colorful aspect of denominations go team so good so don't think I'm anti-denominational nor is Lewis if we can keep what the family feel so let's do this let's have all of our denominations come down to the table of communion we're all there together one big happy family yeah how are we doing in Ireland how many years ago they were actually doing what they're literally killing each other Catholics and Protestants were shooting each other these are Christians killing each other even in town here we have denominations who are like oh those that church they're not saved and that church they're demonic what they're doing and like we fight and we argue has anybody I actually want to see your hand don't do names I want to really see the hand who has ever been over to someone's house a friend's house and the parents are like arguing in the kitchen and they're like yelling or upstairs you hear them yelling and a door slams and you're like there for dinner come on what's that like oh my gosh it's so awkward you know what's crazy is this happened yesterday with my own two children it was dinner and then the two kids that they were over there to play with started fighting and yelling at each other and Anna's like I don't ever want to go back you know I'm like I'm sorry and like it's just awkward you're like you pass the potatoes please I, I need to go or something right but wait a second we know that that's awkward when we're at our friend's house yeah we're going around saying hey you want to be a Christian come on over to our house we'll fight and argue and call each other demonic and like hate each other but come on over oh and by the way there's a lot of sex scandals and abuse but just come on over to our house anyways oh and by the way that guy steals money from people within the family but you know don't you want to be part of our family <laughs> it's what at best it's what awkward at worst it's a scandal like we have the most dysfunctional family on the planet. <laughs> you want, right? And by the way, who's in the family if you want? You believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you're in. That's who? A lot of people on the planet. Right? I actually, I wrote it in the text. Some of you read it. I had that really awkward wake up moment when I was reading this and I realized like, I had to repent I had to repent I had to admit that I was wrong figure out why I was wrong 
I didn't go say I was sorry. I did it to some people down my street. Um, I grew up believing that Catholics are going to go to hell. It's just bad theology, bad teaching, really awkward. And I, I'm embarrassed by that. It's, it's, I don't want to use the word shame, but it was pretty shameful. My thinking towards those people who were loving, kind people in my, my neighborhood. And I actually did. I went, I drove back to my neighborhood. I went to the houses and I apologized. And some of them appreciated it. Some of them were like, what the heck are you talking about? I was like, I know, I'm sorry. I just, no, but I just still did it because it was so wrong. So wrong. Yeah. Now, am I saying that everyone who says they're a Catholic is going to be in heaven? Well, no, because are all of them believing in Jesus, like really believing? No, but neither are all the Baptists, nor are all the Protestants either. Does that make sense? There's a lot of people who say they're Christians, and they're really not, right? Or they don't believe in, like, that Jesus was real, you know, like the real dude who was a human. Well, you got, like, if you want to be in the family, you got to really believe it. But there's also people who don't go to church who really believe. They're not even a part of any denomination. There are people who say that they're Muslims, but they actually believe in Jesus. Does that make sense? And they're part of the family. You see what's going on there? All right. That's my little six, seven minute lesson on that. But can you also see why we've got to do this before we spend two more months talking about Christianity? Is in this classroom. It might behoove some of us to actually use the term brother and sister. Right. And if they're choosing not to be, maybe they're just saying it. And they actually do believe. Right? <laughs> right? The other thing is that how, do you, how are we supposed to treat people who aren't in our family? <laughs> Loving and kind. Like, what are we doing? Right? Like, yeah? Thoughts, questions, comments? Yeah, it got really quiet second period, too. It's still worth doing that little lesson, isn't it? I don't think we're out of the woods yet, are we? Really important. Some of you may want to repent. Like, like actually do the repent thing. Change how you think. And then let that change your actions, you know. It was hard. I'm really glad I did it, though. I'd still be thinking about it if I hadn't. So <laughs> that's my brain. That's the Holy Spirit, right? He wants us to clean things up. If we make a mess, we clean it up. So. Onward. Let's do it then. Turn the page. Okay. I want everybody in their book to grab a pen or a pencil and take a few notes in the book. I intentionally did not put these notes in the text because I want you to physically write them down in your, and this is where it's the true guidebook, guidebook. As I'm guiding you through the moral argument, I think I talked with you guys a little bit about it last week, but let's just make sure we're all clear. This argument is math. And hopefully you read through some of it, right? It's basically just this plus this plus this minus this plus this equals this. Got it? We're just going to walk our way through it. So it works really well. In 70 years, did anybody find anybody who's debunked Lewis's argument? I still have not found it. If you find an article, I've had a few people send them, send them my way. I'll read through it, and I'll change how I teach once I find someone who's debunked his argument. <laughs> Nobody's found it yet. So that's pretty sweet. Does that mean it always works for everybody all the time? No. Because it's one thing to have a rational argument, but you can still reject it. Does that make sense? But second, did I talk to you guys? What are the two groups of people 
where it doesn't work. Can we talk about that? Oh, well, let's do it then. So here's your two things. I'm going to set it up as though we were at Starbucks and we're talking with someone or River City Roasters or Catizo or My Half the Sky or whatever. And you're across the table, which I have done with these, not the workbook, it didn't exist when I was doing it, but with the handouts, my own handouts that I made, I'm like uh, trying to talk through it. You know, just so I can make sure I help people understand, right? It won't work with someone who doesn't trust what? Well, not the Bible, because he doesn't use the Bible. So it'll still work with someone. That's actually the part target audience. Now, yeah, the trust list. I didn't think about that. <laughs> if you're not trustworthy, it probably won't work. But the argument's so solid that it's not about you, but that's a good cheers. <laughs> well said. It's a logical argument. It's like math. If the person doesn't trust logic, then will this work? Now, so but you have to you're looking across the table for someone who doesn't trust five plus five equals ten. Yeah, how many people are like that? There's a few. Does that make sense? Are there a few who just don't trust logic? You're like, okay, <laughs> I can get you. Then you buy them their coffee and have a different conversation. Like, just don't use this. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Who else won't it work with? This is the moral argument. People it won't work with what? People who don't care about morals. People, and if they don't care, you could probably get them to care. Although, unless they really don't care, which that's rare too. But it's people who don't believe that there's any real morality. Does that make sense? Um, how many people, or what do we call people, and not to make fun, I'm really not making fun, but there's a name for people, AP Psych, for people who don't have a conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's different. That's different. Then what they do is they, but I like that. They actually have a morality. They've just really made it liberal. We're talking someone without one. Sorry. Yeah, more than antisocial. You're fine. That was kind of funny, actually. Because that's actually what that movement was doing. It was trying to bust the moral code. Does that make sense? So you're on to something. But we're talking, yeah. Is that sociopath? Thank you. Let's give it up for Luke right there. Sociopath doesn't understand their conscience, which is helping them with morality. It makes them feel guilty because of a morality code. They don't really have one. Well, if you're across the table from a sociopath, definitely buy them their coffee, right? But will this argument work for them? Ready? Very likely no. Does that make sense? We're talking like someone, I don't like bringing it up, but we're talking like Silence of the Lambs. Like that, that guy, like, not that you're going to have a moral argument with that guy, but it's not going to work. Does that make It's just not going to work. All right, so ready? Those are your two. Those are your two outs. Someone doesn't trust logic, you're gonna go around in circles. Actually, people at the Theosophical Society, they're they're gonna they're not gonna buy it. They're just yeah. gonna be like whatever. Like they're, they're not a lot of them are just gonna care. And it'll be logical, but like okay, but still. <laughs> like uh, although they already believe in a god, but they don't believe in theistic gods, so they're gonna jump off the train at some point. Yeah. The morality one's a little harder, but that's where I think what you're getting at, Partain, is that you just gotta push a little bit, and then they're gonna be they're gonna say, oh yeah 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 yeah. Actually, you can't just steal. I mean, you can take stuff that you need, but you can't steal. You know, like, whatever. They're just bending the rules. All right, so let's go through it. Premise by premise. Just take a few minutes right now. Just kind of walk through the whole thing. And then we'll open it up for whatever time we have for questions today and then tomorrow. Okay? But here here we go. Where, where, where do you guys want to be? Catizo, My Half the Sky, River City Roasters. River City. River City Roasters, right here, River City. Right. 
So we're at River City Roasters. You're across the table from someone who basically just says, I don't believe that God exists. Which, by the way, are there people out there like that? Yep. There's no God. I don't believe that God exists. Or I don't believe in your God, right? Okay, okay, that's fine. Let's chat it up. So ready? How do you get the arguments started? The discuss not arguments, not like you're yelling at each other. It's an argument like a defense. Okay? How do you defend this truth? How do you start? Chapter one. It's actually page one. He goes right into it. What do we do? It's right in the book. We all have a be behavior that we behave in a certain way, and we all have a sense of right and wrong. Does everybody have a sense of right and wrong? Yeah. Uh, who can you get into the discussion for that? Most people. And if they won't, then try to steal their wallet, and they'll probably say, hey, that's not yeah. fair, or that's not nice, or that's wrong, or you can't steal, and now are they in the argument? Yeah. 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 I mean, if you're an atheist, do you still have a sense of morality? Yeah. Most do. Are we, are we good? So most... C.S. Lewis himself says, and now for the 99% of the other human beings that exist, we're all in. We have a sense of right and wrong. Yeah? Okay, we got a sense of right and wrong. Just so you are, if you can get someone to admit that, you are now on railroad tracks. Like, you will end up at that destination. That there is a God who is not you, who has perfect moral standards and expects you to keep them and you don't whoa like what <laughs> that's a big deal isn't it that means no more idealism no more materialism and no more monism it's gone and you're like yeah but you're not going to end up there no no you'll end up there if they step into that argument with that and they trust logic and they're willing to concede morality they will end up there unless they do what and they will have to intentionally jump off the train. And I use the train metaphor. You're cruising along down the metaphor. You're cruising along down the argument. And they're like, I went out. And they're going to have to jump off. But here's the key. It's not like, oh, I didn't know that. It's what? They are choosing to exit. They're going to be like, um, nope, I really don't believe in immorality. Oh, well, you said you did. But now you're saying you don't? Okay, bye. But now they know what they're believing, don't they? Does that make sense? Like that's where this, that's why I think the weight of this is pretty huge. Okay, so ready, we're in. There's a real right and wrong, we good? What's next? Premise number two. Yeah. Sometimes we use like that. Yeah, you can, it's pretty straightforward to anybody. So do you believe in the right and wrong? Yeah, well what should we do? We should all do what? We should do what's right, but we what? We don't always do that. Every human being I've talked to in this argument that has started the argument, everybody says that. Oh, yeah, the atheists will be like, I know I should do the right thing, but I mean, who does, right? And actually, what do I usually say? Yeah, you're right. I don't always do the right thing either, right? Does that make sense? It's fine to admit that because are any of us perfect? No, we, we're not. We're, we're striving towards that. God is making us perfect. We're on the journey, but we all mess up. We all make mistakes. Check this out. This is not part of the argument, but what did Lewis just get everybody to admit? They're not who? God, because God's perfect. So we already just, we already got theism right there. You've just admitted that you're not perfect, which means if God expects you to be, you're what? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like, you see why we need book two and why we need Jesus. So he sets that up. It's not part of the argument, but he sets it up. That makes sense? I like that he sets that up because it 
hooks us up later. Okay, so there's a real right, there's a right and wrong. I ought to do right. I don't always do right. How are we doing? Okay, now the next one is the biggest one. Ready? What is it? You have a sense of right and wrong. You ought to do right. You don't always do right. Well, yeah, where where's where does it come from? Where'd you get your sense of right and wrong? It, ready? If you made it up, well, who cares if you do wrong? <laughs> Whatever, who cares? And if your friend made it up, why do they have authority over you? They could just do what? Kill them or change it, right? And if we all voted on it, well, what can we do? Change it. So like, you have a sense of ought, but if it's not a real right and wrong that you, that's objective, who cares about your sense of ought? Are we tracking? But ready? Is it a real sense of ought? Yes. And did you already admit that there's a real right and wrong? Yeah. If now you want to say it's morally, it's all internally relative, is there a real right and wrong? No. So jump off the train. But how many people will really sit there across from you and say morality is completely relative, arbitrary, and absurd? Not after they just admitted all that. But you see what happened now? Now we're kind of, oh, wait. So if it's not relative and we didn't make it up, uh, where did it come from? Wait, where did it come from? An outside. Something outside. And he just says he used God there or Jesus there or the Bible there. No, he just says something. Ready? But if it's a rock, are you going to obey a rock? Like literally a rock or a tree or some amorphous blob without personality? You're going to obey that? I, I'm not. Like, why would we? <laughs> yeah. How could you explain things that, like, people thought were right? We get there. That's that's chapter two. He talks about relativity there. And can morality shift and change culturally? Yeah. But does all of a sudden we just, now rape's okay. Uh, no, rape's what? Bad. And it will what? Always be bad. Same with lying. Like, there are some things that are relative, like the shirt that I wore. But is everything relative? No. Or, yes, but if it is yes, then there's no real right and wrong. See what's going on? Yeah. So you could say they're not relative, but they are. Now, that's a debate. Yeah. But to say that it's all relative? Yeah, but is it? But is it? No, 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 you don't want to, you don't want to say that, but there, there's a culture where they think that, but is it okay? Like, no, and that's what we're going to debate tomorrow. Does that make sense? That's, that's the second chapter and Lewis addresses it. Does that make sense? But here's the key is if we concede that, is there any real morality then? No. So your sense of ought is silly and then there's really no, no right and wrong. Now you jumped off the train. And by the way, maybe we're wrong. Maybe our moral argument's wrong and it's all off, but then what are the consequences of that? Yeah. Ah, then rape is fine. Yeah. Ah, no, 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 we don't want to go there. Or do we? Or do you? Do you want to go there? Like, do we want to go there? <laughs> Does our world really want to go there? I sure hope not. I don't want them to go there. Does that make sense? So is it real right and wrong? It has to be an objective standard. Otherwise, it's ridiculous. Well, if it's objective, it's not going to be a rock or a tree. It better be a what? A being. 
If it is a being, what kind of a being? It better be what? Like if I have to listen to it and I have a sense of odd, it better be what? Powerful being. And powerful and good. So if it's not good, do I want to listen to it? No, so it better be powerful and good. How powerful and how good? Yeah, like perfectly powerful and perfectly good. And if it was perfectly good, no wonder it cares. Because if it didn't care, it wouldn't be what? Good. And does it care? Yeah, and do I know it cares? Yeah, because I feel what when I do wrong? Like, uh, click, like, see what's going on? Click, click, click. Like, once you get past that issue, it now just, woo, you're off and running. Because then we realize that there better be a being who made these rules. The being better be good. It better be perfectly good. And if it is perfectly good, it cares. Oh, wait, it cares a whole bunch. <gasps> and I know that I'm not what? I'm not perfectly good. And it is. And it's aware. And I'm aware. And I'm aware that it's aware. Ah! Right? That's why I was playing with or without you. <laughs> We're going to look at that tomorrow. But we've just spent, oops, sorry. If you've worked your way through that, it literally took us, I was watching the clock, 11 minutes with a bunch of high school students. Did we mention the Bible? Did we mention Jesus? Nope. And you guys are aware. Like, it's right there. If it could take us 11 minutes with a bunch of high school students, can you see why Paul would write, we're without excuse? Come on. It's pretty straightforward if you think it through. Now, we'll expand it tomorrow, but I'm glad we had a couple of questions and a couple of kickback. Like, Lewis addresses this stuff. That's why we've got the rest of these other pages. I really want you to come with questions, but here we go. Got a real sense of right and wrong. We don't always do the right. I'm not perfect. I should do the right. There's got to be a real morality out there, otherwise that's all ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous. So there's got to be a real morality. Where does that real morality come from? Well, it can't be human, because that would just be relative. And it can't just be an inanimate object. Why listen to it? And it better be a being, but it better be a being who's good, otherwise good doesn't make any sense. Like, and if it is a good being, how good? Well, it better be perfectly good, otherwise it wouldn't be God and we shouldn't follow it. But we do follow it, and it does is God. And if we just start piecing this together, we realize there's a God who is perfect, who's made the rules. We're aware of the rules. We know we don't follow them. We're not perfect. Help! Like to see you see where we can get without the Bible and without Jesus. We can get to the fact that I'm not God. There is a God, and I need help. Oh, and by the way, is help available? Yeah, kind of cool. You could also see how around the world, you see what Paul says when he says they've exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. But that's a choice. That's not a, oops. It's a choice. Thoughts, questions, comments? Cool. You can see why, I mean, I used to spend another week on this, and I'd make you all memorize it, and I'll kind of go through it. Which I think would be fun. <laughs> but I'm not going to make you do that. But this is pretty handy, isn't it? Yeah, this is nice. Ten minutes. And we've got a guy who's a being. Who's perfectly good. And knows we're not. And we know we're not. Insert Jesus. <laughs> That's why we have book two. 
You guys are awesome. Nice job today. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll watch a little U2 tomorrow.